Hello, my friends, and welcome to The Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for October 16th is Matthew chapters 9 and 10. Many of these stories we are reading for the second or even the third time because they're captured in more than one of the Gospels. Much of the time, we're given a little more detail by each additional author and the way the story was recorded. In chapter 9, verse 1, Jesus gets into a boat, crosses the sea, came to the other side, which was his own town. Just then, some men brought him a paralytic lying on a stretcher or a cot. Jesus sees their faith and says to the man on the cot, take courage, your sins are forgiven. He's more concerned about the eternal security of that man than his physical well-being. Jesus will always be more concerned about your eternal state, your character, your growth as a human being, than he will be about your comfort. Many people begin questioning whether Jesus has that authority, and Jesus says to them, so that you'll know that I do have that authority, get up, pick up your mat, and go home. This man picks up his mat and walks home. The people are amazed. They're not amazed necessarily by the miracle. They're amazed and give glory to God who has given such authority to men. In verse 9, Jesus calls Matthew, who is also called Levi, and was a tax collector. Tax collectors were especially despised because they were viewed as traitors and thieves. Israel was under Roman occupation. The Roman Empire had seized control of Israel and was exacting taxes on the Israeli people. If that weren't bad enough, they hired tax collectors from the Israeli people to collect the money from their countrymen and deliver it back to the Roman officers in charge. Many of the tax collectors, if not all, used their position of authority over their brothers to increase the taxes so as to pay to Rome what was due to Rome and then keep extra for themselves. The tax collectors who were already traitors working for the foreign occupying force were now thieves as well and then they were becoming wealthy at the expense of their countrymen. But you can imagine how much you would despise your neighbor who was stealing from you, getting rich off of it while they showed their allegiance to the country that was occupying our land. When people began asking, why is Jesus hanging out with these sinners, these thieves, these traitors? Jesus' response was, the healthy don't need a doctor, but the sick people do. And then he continues, go and learn what this means. God says, I desire mercy over sacrifice. That word mercy means kindness. God prefers that we are kind to one another, that we show one another mercy and values that mercy above even the temple sacrifice. As Jesus was explaining why his disciples don't fast while he is still with them, implying that we today should be fasting because he's not here in physical form, a leader comes to him and says, please come heal my daughter because she is dying. The word translated dying or dead there 
means she has come to her end. Jesus makes his way to go with that man. And a woman who has been suffering from a flow of blood for 12 years touches the hem of his garment. When Jesus feels the power leave him, he turns and finds her and says to her, Have courage, your faith has saved you. Interesting how he says to her, Have courage. It's the same thing he said to the man who was the paralytic who he healed earlier in the chapter. When he comes to the home where the little girl had died, the people are mourning and lamenting loudly. He puts them all out of the house, saying that she's not dead, she's only asleep, and they laugh at him. He raises her from the dead. In Luke's account, he instructs them sternly to tell no one what has taken place. But here we read in verse 20, the news of this spread throughout the whole area. As he went on from there, two blind men began following him, calling out, Son of David, have mercy on us. Show us kindness. He touches their eyes and says to them, Let it be done for you according to your faith. Their eyes were opened, and Jesus warned them sternly, Be sure that no one finds out. Again, Jesus is saying, Don't tell anyone what I've done for you. But they went out and spread the news about him throughout that whole area. God has given great authority to the Son. Jesus is modeling for us how to wield that authority. And as we begin growing in our authority, we should be like him, not striving to make a name for ourselves. In this end time revival that we are entering into, God is not looking for one to go out and reach a billion people. He's looking for a million who each reach one, five, or ten. As with any army, there will be leaders. There will be captains over hundreds and generals over thousands. God is raising up people who understand how to walk in authority, who will be raising the dead, healing the sick, cleansing the leper, opening the ears of the deaf, opening the mouths of the mute, curing people of cancer, healing every kind of sickness and disease. We need to understand what authority is and what it's for. Having authority authorizes the believer to unleash the power of God. It wasn't Jesus' authority that had been given to him that made the sick people well. It was his authority that granted him access to the power, and it was the power of God that made people well. The amount of power we have access to is directly proportional to the authority we walk in. The authority we walk in is directly proportional to how well we understand the kingdom of heaven and how much faith we have. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. If you want to grow in authority so that you can see greater miracles, get in the word of God. Study it. Memorize it. Have it become part of you. Meditate on it day and night. As you do this more and more, you will see the power of God change you from the inside out and authorize you to do greater works. As Jesus continued ministering to 
the people around there, he noticed that they were distressed and dejected and he had compassion for them. He notes to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out more workers. We should be praying that God would send out more workers. Some in church leadership today don't want more workers because they don't want the competition. What they don't understand is that we are all on the same team and there's no names on the backs of these jerseys. In Matthew 10, Jesus commissions the 12 disciples and sends them out. He instructs them, don't go to the Gentiles, don't even go to Samaria, but go to the lost sheep of Israel, the Jewish people only, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the people with skin diseases, often translated leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give, proclaim that the kingdom of heaven has come near, and prove it by healing the sick, by raising the dead, by cleansing the leper, by driving out demons. Show them, don't just tell them that the kingdom of heaven has come near, show them. It's very interesting in 10.16 how he says he's sending them out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, they should be as shrewd as serpents and as gentle as doves. The serpent in the garden deceived Adam and Eve and recruited them to his side. Of course, they didn't understand that they were being recruited to the dark side. They were believing the lie that told them they didn't already have what they wanted, but they could have it. To be as shrewd as a serpent is to understand what people don't have or what they think they don't have and give them access to it. But instead of bringing them to the dark side, we are liberating them from the dark side. But unlike the serpent who was evil and partnering with the dark side, we are to be innocent as doves. We won't use deception, but we will be shrewd. Jesus said, you will be persecuted. You will be betrayed. You will be let down by those closest to you. Don't let that discourage you. Be thinking about who you depend on. Be shrewd and innocent. We should not be surprised when people closest to us betray us. Jesus warned us about it 2,000 years ago. But take courage because everything that takes place, but don't be afraid. Don't worry about what people think because the world will know the truth at some point in the future. In verse 35, Jesus says, I came to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Aren't we seeing that lived out in the world these days? This pressing that is taking place in the world, this shaking that is happening right now. Jesus said those who hang on to the end will be saved. When olives are pressed, olive oil comes out. Without the pressing, we'll never know what's going to come out of us. God is allowing the pressing so that we will see what is coming out. We're seeing the falling away of many people right now, many walking away from the faith, 
many walking away from their relationships. Jesus came not for the sake of ruining our relationships, but to expose what's already there, to show us what's going on in our hearts. This crushing, this pressing, this shaking that's happening in the world right now is designed with a purpose. That's to show us what's on the inside, what is going to come out during these times of challenge. What are you made of? And the result of that often will be broken relationships because people just can't deal or they won't deal with their inner flaws that are being exposed. They would rather be alone than have to go through the fire of being changed. But friends, this world was made for us to show us where we need to grow. We have to endure the process. And that's why Jesus says in this very next paragraph in verse 38, whoever doesn't take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. The cross is made for dying. They were nailed hands and feet for a reason. The feet represent where you are going, walking where you want to walk, walking the way you want to walk in this world. The hands were nailed saying that we have to die to things that we want to do and the way we want to do them. We don't get to go where we want to go and do what we want to do and be a Jesus follower. We must pick up our crosses and die to ourselves and do the things he wants us to do. This shaking, this crushing, this pressing that's happening in the world right now is God's way of saying, please, for your own good, but for the glory of God, pick up your cross and die on it. Anyone who finds his life will lose it. That word finds has the connotation of somebody who's been searching for something and then they find it at last. Like they were exerting effort. They were investing their time and their energy to search for something and then they find it. And Jesus is saying, if you search for your life and you find it, if you invest your time and your resources doing what you think will make you happy, it's all going to be taken away. But if you lose your life for my sake, then you'll find it. Let's lose our lives for his sake. Let's sacrifice everything we have now so that we can reign with him later. We are all going through the fire one way or another. We will go through the Holy Ghost fire now that refines us or we will go through the judgment fire later that consumes us. Let's choose wisely, friends. God bless you. Thank you for being on this journey with me. We'll see you tomorrow.